And welcome to episode 51 of the Brood Sages. Stormbound players with a head for the game. I am Freeloader, and with me, as always, are Subaiku and Thomas. Subaiku, how's it going tonight? Fantastic. Thomas, how are you doing? Pretty all right. <laughs> we are the Brood Sages, easily the second best Stormbound-related podcast in production. And as a reminder, you can always follow us at Brood Sages on Twitter. Or for all of you who ever debated if the Dukes of Hazard could win a race against Knight Rider... Our email address is thebroodsages at gmail.com. So guys, uh, not a live episode after our 50th. Uh, We're back to kind of our normal format. Uh, Part of our normal format is, of course, community news. And I'm very excited to tell you guys that uh, we had a little interview. Just I got to sit down and talk with Taco real quick because he and Grim have brought back the Stormbound Weekly Card Competition. And here it is. And I am here with the one and only Taco from our Discord community of Stormbound. Taco, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. How about yourself? Oh, I'm thrilled uh, to have you both finally as uh, an interviewee for the Brood Sages, but also because you're here to tell us about the new uh, restarted SWCC. Can you tell me, first off, for those of us who don't know, what does SWCC stand for? Uh, the SWCC is the Stormbound Weekly Car Competition. Awesome. And uh, so it's a card competition. Obviously, we get that weekly. Uh, but how does it work? So the Starbucks Weekly Card Competition runs basically all week, Monday to Friday. Uh, people will submit their cards. Um, and then on the weekends, they will all be judged. A winner will win 100 rubies up to 175 in a single week. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, hold on. So let's take a second. So the winner... Gets 100 rubies up to 175? What do you mean? So everyone who submits a card during the week gets 25, guaranteed, right? 25 every week. Uh, There are two voting steps. The community vote uh, is the largest one. This takes place. Anyone can participate in it. Uh, And for the weekend, you will vote on your favorite card. Whoever wins gets 100 rubies. Uh, There is also a secondary team of judges, uh, including me, Grim, and a few others, who will decide on uh, their favorite card. Um, and that will win, win an additional 50 rubies. Okay, sweet. So you could win 100 from the community saying yours is the best, another 50 from the judges saying yours is the best. And because you participated at all, you're getting fifty or 25 right off the bat. That's right. And uh, in fact, in our first week, Papega K uh, ran away with the full 175. No way. So <laughs> incredible haul. And once again, this is weekly. So 25 guaranteed. Uh, up to 175. All right. And um, is it individual or is can these be team efforts? Uh, it is an individual competition, uh, which, I mean, in some ways might be better because you and anyone you would have teamed up with both get at least 25. Uh, but yes, unfortunately, uh, we can't split the 100 pot with several people. It is uh, solo. Yeah, that makes sense, I guess. Um, all right. And so it goes Monday through Friday. The submission has to be in by Friday. Is that correct? Uh, yep. So the theme, uh, each week has a theme. The theme will be announced uh, every Monday. From then you'll have five days, so about 120 hours um, to submit your card. That goes just about till Friday at midnight. Um, and then after that, the entire weekend will be voting. Hot dang. All right. 
And uh, last question, I guess, is uh, how do, well, actually, I'll, I'll throw two more questions. First off, how many weeks have already happened? This is currently the fourth season of the SWCC. We're reviving it. It's been going on for a couple of years at this point. Um, so this, right now, we are on week two of season four, biggest prize pool we've ever had. Uh, and we plan to go for, well, actually, we'll see, hoping for at least 20, 25. 25 weeks? Wow. Okay. And uh, uh, the last question, if somebody wanted to participate, what is the process for signing up for a week? So there's really just one form that's important. Uh, you can find it in the SWCC uh, channel under Stormbound Contest in the main Discord. Uh, there is a single line that says, submit your card here. All you have to do is make a card. There is a card builder on the Stormbound Kitty website, uh, and you will submit your Stormbound ID so we can give you the rubies, uh, your Discord name, and your card, and that's all you need. Just the link to your card, and you're good for the week. Hot dang. All right, and I know there's only been two weeks so far, but what has been your personal favorite new card suggestion submitted so far? Um... Oh, this is a bit of a difficult question. We we ask the hard hitting questions here at the Breed Sages. Uh, so far, my favorite was the winner of last week, uh, Runic Slayers, uh, from Papega K. Uh, basically, it was a card where it has a passive effect of whenever an, whenever a unit attacks another one, uh, it drains strength from both of those units. Uh, and this could even include itself. So you can put this down somewhere, and then you send like a gifted recruits into something and it'll drain two strengths from your gifted and whatever it's attacking. Uh, and this can happen over and over. It's just like chaos all over the board. Uh, it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun is what it is. Ooh, that is crazy. All right. Well, cool. Thank you so much. Uh, best of luck running the uh, uh, competition. Um, I'm assuming you can't also perf uh, play in it, right? Uh, no, as a host, it would be a bit unfair if I just... <laughs> hey guys, I like my card the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, me and Grim are co-hosts. And I, real quick, just shout out to Grim uh, for making this entire thing possible, doing the negotiations with Rizosa, getting the 175 prize pool. That's pretty awesome. Running it while I was away as well. Thank you, Grim. Well, thanks to both of you for uh, reviving what was uh, before a pretty popular uh, weekly event. So looking forward to maybe participating myself a couple of times. And, and who knows, maybe one day Thomas will even know the rules. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for stopping by, Taco. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. So pretty cool, right? Every week, if you want to join in, you can join in for that week. You pitch some idea, no matter how crazy it is, they give you at least 25 rubies. Maybe you get more. Sounds pretty sweet, no? Pretty sweet. Uh, not for me. I don't have good ideas, but for all of you that uh, that do, or at least think that you do, definitely worth joining. I love the idea that people are at least pushing. Um, I've always wanted cards with aura effects that are just kind of always on like that. So I'm, I think that's a really neat idea. Uh, moving from there, we just finished the Race of the Heroes League. So uh, good luck to everyone who maybe the Wheel of Fortune is kind to you this uh, this round. Uh, and Thomas, do you want to tell us about Toad Games? <laughs> <laughs> now that it's on uh, the weekends, I can definitely talk about it this time because I actually joined it. No um, way! I did. And it only took like 15 to 20 minutes for the, the four games that I played. And so it's uh, much more convenient now that it's on the weekend. So Toad Games, uh, Friday through Sunday. And you just go over to the uh, Toad Games tournament on the Discord channel. Uh Sign up right there by putting your ID in, and then um, over the course of the weekend, you literally just message somebody, ask them to play a couple games. You start with a fake 500 coins. For every loss, uh, you lose 100. For every win, you gain 100. 
after the uh, tournament is over, they'll tally up the total amount of losses and wins that you had against your opponents, and you get that amount of coins right into your account. And how did you do? You said you played four games. What what were the I results? I Three wins and a loss, so net total Ooh. of 800 coins for 20 minutes worth of work. Not too shabby. No, no, those are kind of, those are tech print numbers. He'd be proud. <laughs> It's true. So yeah, uh, join that. And because it's a completely 100% casual mode, you literally just message whoever you're going to play against to ask them what uh, levels of decks they want to do, um, what mana st- you want to start with. You go crazy with it. Yeah, I, uh, uh, I've i played some pretty nutty games as well. It, um, yeah, and, and, and listen to Thomas's suggestion, go crazy with it. Uh, the the no units uh, 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 competition we did I did once um, has to be felines or or nothing <laughs> deck that I did with like they're fun. <laughs> all right, so um, that's all the community news that we have for this week, uh, and and uh, part of the I, I guess one of the main drivers for wanting to do this episode now is that we have a new card, and not only do we have a new card, uh, but it's seeing play. Uh, a fair amount of play, I, I should say, both uh, uh, in, in competitive Diamond and Heroes League uh, uh, decks, but also in draft. Um, let's start off, uh, Sabaiku, what is the card we're seeing? Yeah, the Orgone Leechers, the new card. You're starting to see people test it out, leveling it up to level five, where it has 11 strength for three mana and one movement. It's pretty nuts. Uh, it's very strong very strong for the mana cost and the problem with the mana cost is as we talked about last episode before moving it'll reduce your mana by three not a big deal if you play it as the last card on your turn you drain a bunch of mana that you weren't going to spend anyway because you probably only have zero one two mana left uh but on your next turn if it survives it'll continue to move and continue to drain mana you can mitigate this effect by having other friendly ancients on the board. Uh, but your opponent can try to play around it by removing your other ancients and trying to just give you a little less mana to work with next turn. Oof. So in some ways, this kind of feels like, um, uh, you know, and I always love using Hearthstone analogies. I know our listeners love listening to me talk about Hearthstone, but this feels like that old shaman mechanic, right? Overload, yeah. yeah. Where you just uh, kind of get something that's, a little extra powerful for the mana cost, but you pay extra mana next turn to make up for it. So you end up paying the same mana cost or more as the strength of the card. Just you distribute that over two turns, and that makes it a little, a little bit of an advantage. Not not always an advantage, right? But in this case, because it has movement, it draws away the extra three mana this turn if you don't play it as your last card. So yeah. you have to be careful about when to play it. Um, I know, Sebaiku, you said that you have uh, some strong opinions on it. Uh, I kind of want to hear what those are first before I'll let Thomas respond. I have little opinion of it. I've seen it a couple of times, but it, but that's about it. So yeah, I've got? seen it a couple of times. You've seen uh, on YouTube, people are starting to put out some videos. Mr. P93 is, is uh, testing it out. Um, Reckless Rush, leveling it to five and testing it out. So Insane. It definitely fits into a Rush deck, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, you know, a heavy control deck does not want something that drains its mana you know, 
you're going to be left with a hand that's, you know, crazy bombers and siren and ulf, and you're going to have four <laughs> mana to play with. Like, that, that's not great. Um, but if you're slotting this into an Icicle Bear Shivana kind of shell, you can definitely put some pressure on your opponent very quickly. It's very hard to deal with. So I do think it's a good card. Um, you know, like I said, you can mitigate the mana reduction by having other ancients on the board. Lost Psyches and Erratic Neglects, you definitely want to have in a rush deck anyway. Bounded Demons, not so much. Fragmented Essence, uh, it's okay. Um, it's cheap. It's six strength for two mana, so it's it's pretty okay, but not a lot of rush decks were really playing Lawless Herd to begin with, you know? You didn't mention Stoic. Not a lot of people <laughs> are playing Stoic to begin with also, but to be fair, Stoic is very good. Sure, no, no doubt. All right, so so uh, so at the end of all of that, Sabaiko, give me a yay or nay. Are you are you going all in and and uh, leveling this puppy up right now, or are you going to wait? Well, I am not yet, and the reason why is a lot of these decks that seem to play it aren't playing another card that I think is just better. Like, what's your best case scenario for the Orgone Leechers? Your best case scenario is that you have a couple other ancients on board and you lose one mana when it moves next turn, right? Okay. You're playing it as a last card in your hand. You're putting it on your opponent's baseline. That's the ideal case, right? You're putting 11 on their base. You're pressuring the heck out of them. And then next turn, it it survives a little bit. It moves. You It reduces your mana by one because you have, you know, Lost Psyches and Erratic Neglects sitting on the board already. So you paid four mana for 11 strength. Does Winter already have a card that's four mana for 11 strength? You know, it does, actually. It does. And a lot of these decks are not running Mistwives. And I think... That Mistwives is just better. The, the condition for Mistwives is that it has to be bordering another unit with four or more strength. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. pretty easy to deal with when your deck is all level four and five. You know, as long as you can get those green prototypes and erratic neglects up to four, you're fine. You can combo Mistwives with pretty much anything. You're already putting it in an aggressive shell. You're already playing Giovanna. You okay. Know, okay. Why, why would you level this up and play this with a potential for a really big downside over Mistwives, which has no such potential and oftentimes costs you less mana. But I could play Orgon Leechers to open on three mana, and then I could wait three more turns to play Mistwise. <laughs> 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 All right, so Thomas, what do you think then? All right, um, I think my assessment of it right away um, was pretty spot on to where I'm still currently thinking it is. Uh, it's basically Winter's version of Faithless Prophets. Um, that said, I don't think I can play this in an aggressive deck. Um, I think it's too glass cannony to, to work in an aggressive deck because that potential loss of three mana next turn reduces the chance that you can throw your runner in for, for lethal. So um, I'm not going to level this up, but the first thing that I am going to um, theorycraft is a low mana cost control deck. Uh, mm -hmm. this, I've been able to start drafting with it today and it felt perfectly fine. Um, but I never, I had plenty of chances to level it up and I never did because I was getting a three mana fluffy bad boxers, um, every single turn that I played it. So that felt great, but you don't, I didn't ever want to level it up because then it would have ended up being larger than the things that I was trading into. And then I would have started having those, 
um, mana losses on the following turns. Oh dear. Yeah, for sure. So I do like it as a level one in draft. Um, I think we've got it pegged at tier two, and I think that's accurate. Um, but yeah, so so back over to to ranked for it. I I'd be curious to try a little bit more controlly type deck. When we think of winter control, we always end up, yeah, thinking immediately over to the very uh, extreme end of the spectrum of crazy bombers, so on and so forth. But there's nothing to say that you can't go with low mana cost uh, control cards. Winter already has a bunch of them naturally, so I think that this could be a nice slot in when you're playing it as like the last card of your turn and you don't need that much mana. It doesn't matter too much if you lose a little bit uh, on your following turn. Hmm interesting but my concern is if you already have other efficient ways to deal with your opponent's board then why are you playing this <laughs> this just ends up sitting out in the middle of the board and your opponent ignores it and then you have a lot more difficulty answering the problems that they pose because as we know in competitive play one mana makes a huge difference and when you essentially have a three mana fluffy uh, bad boxers it's both a serious threat additionally being able to clear out anything your opponent has on or near your baseline for only three mana is obviously huge um there's so many times where they're trying to tuck their uh mist wives into the corner on your baseline in front of a gifted recruits and for five mana you get to do a full clear on them because you're going to bring your gifted recruits forward and then use this thing to clear out the mist wives you know, and you're right. Oftentimes, your opponent will try to just land a fluffy on the baseline because it's just it's big and hard to deal with. And this this gets you most of the way there. Yep. Well, uh, yeah. Enough. Because otherwise, if you only had your fluffy turn, you're gonna just attack the fluffy into the gifted recruits and take uh, eleven or twelve to the base, depending on if they had the mistwives over in the corner or the fluffy. So, the trade-off of losing mana on the next turn is really, really compensated by being able to go under the radar like that. Yeah, but when you trained into that 10-strength MERS token and you have just that little one-strength ancient that your opponent ignores uh, for the rest of the game draining your mana, it's going to feel real bad. I'm for sure going to be playing this in a deck with Hunter's Vengeance. <laughs> Try to remove it yourself. <laughs> yeah, That's a really exactly. Good, you might even want to add minion launchers just to make sure. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> but yeah, so so that's kind of where I think I might end up going with this card, um, because I think the, like I said, the, the winter um, aggro decks are going to be too glass cannony, and I don't think they're going to be able to sustain top 10 in Heroes League. Hmm. So it's interesting because you, you, you're you solving my biggest concern with it, because prior to you walking this through, I had thought like Sabaiku had, which was um, its best use case is by putting a big chunky beefy boy right on their baseline and in that i'm thinking of it uh again like the uh like that uh shaman mechanic from uh uh hearthstone which i somehow managed to completely forget again and again overload overload thank you so if i think about it in terms of overload and i'm i'm judicious with my mana i wait for my last three mana this turn to play it and let's say, best case, it actually gets to the tech and to base the following turn. I've now paid six mana over the course of two turns for an 11 strength. And when I compare that to what I should be able to get for a six strength, or I compare it to what I could get for a five strength in Fluffy, it just doesn't seem good. Like, it's nice that I can split it over two turns, but it's there there's, doesn't seem to be a benefit. I don't want to actually just pay six mana for it, <laughs> right? Like, if, if it didn't have... 
that drawback and it was just a six mana 11 one ancient, I wouldn't want to play it at all. So I was thinking, you know, this really should be five mana. Maybe maybe the, the mana reduction should be three or, or down from three to two. But but you pose an interesting thing. What if I just kill it on my turn, <laughs> right? What if I only use it defensively to trade into big things? That had not occurred to me, uh, in part because uh, at 11 strength, it's just weird. To, to Spiker's point, it's going to kill a lot of things and be like a two or three strength remnant or a one strength, even better. Or, or it won't quite kill a fluffy or some other things. So it's kind of in that no man's land. What what are, you know, the perfect trade doesn't exist on this? Most of the time, I don't think it will, yeah. Correct. Um, it's not that big of a deal in my opinion, though, because like this, I, th- I think the the better uh, comparison for it rather than maybe Faceless Prophets would be uh, Yelling Weavers. Look at how massive of a drawback that was if that thing survived on the board, yet people were constantly playing it pretty much up until Fluffy um, ended up being in every winter deck, and they're like, oh yeah, we could just <laughs> use this instead. Right, it's just um, better. Yeah, but I mean, that whole eight strength for three mana made it see a lot of play even though it would end up every once in a while destroying your own dawn sparks and doing 12 to 15 damage uh worth of um units power because that defensive yeah. ability of yowling was so huge and I, I think that's where this is going to end up getting its niche so hmm. the difference between yowling and orgon though yowling is something that you can control to a large degree uh, you can control it with positioning. You can tr- control it with your order of play. Um, and a lot of times, if Yowling does remove a unit, it's removing a unit that you've already gotten value from because your unit has survived a trade. Um, you know, the the work that you wanted it to do has been done already. So it's not as big of a drawback. With Orgone, like you, you're you're losing mana, and the only way to mitigate that is by putting other ancients on the board, and your opponent has the chance to counterplay that. They can remove the other ancients on their turn, and then you're left with Orgone moving at the start of your turn. You don't have a chance to respond. So I think that that drawback is worse overall, uh, unless you know, like you said, you can really get a clean trade out of it. Or unless you're in a deck that can, you know, efficiently clear the board and recover from it. Well, I mean, the one thing that I would say is, let's say I do just play it semi-aggressively. Like, I only have front to the third row. So I play it on the third row, it moves to the fourth row. And I have several other uh, uh, Ancients on the board. It takes a decent amount of mana to clear a board. Like, the Ancients aren't small either, right? Like, if if it's Lost Psyches... That's seven strength. Like you, you, you. That's normally one of your biggest units. You're playing on a turn is going to clear that. Uh, so if I've got two or three on the board, that's probably my opponent's entire turn just playing defense and not actually getting anywhere. Right. Meanwhile, my eleven strength now at the start of my turn gets to move onto your baseline. Yeah, I don't have as much mana, but so what? You wasted your entire last turn. You can't play Hunter's Vengeance. All on everything that's on my board is an ancient. So so there's no there's no like clean and and easy way to clear a board of ancients is there no that's fair that's a really good point um and there is certainly an advantage for making your opponent change their game plan to uh to respond to the problems that you have posed 
It's just usually a control deck isn't the one posing the problems like that. That's what a rush deck wants to do. Well, that's fair until you drop a Lady Rhyme. Like, that's the thing is I would uh, if, if the deck that Thomas is describing, I'm still playing Lady Rhyme. So what do I? Well, sure, that that's fine when you get up into double digit mana. But, right. Uh, yeah. You know, when when you've dropped the Orgone on the board on seven or eight and then you lose three, you don't you don't even play Lady Rhyme after that. <laughs> that's true <laughs> it's such an interesting card um, it is it, it really is and uh, you know not having packed it yet I, I am excited to play with it um i will i will definitely start to level it up so thomas do you think that people don't play faithless prophets enough i've seen more yowling weavers over the last six months and i've seen faithless prophets by a long shot yes i don't think it sees as much play as it probably should um it's especially when uh these heavy winter control decks start seeing a lot of play i immediately go to a Shadowfen deck with it in the deck um it feels great to be able to essentially have your uh mers immediately just start at 10 strength uh you get immediately get your merge token like the same turn that you play merge if you were to play faithless prophets into your opponent's massive fluffy or twilight or the other 10 million uh fat bodied cards that they have <laughs> hmm. and there's no downside to it in those situations correct when you get a full trade it's all profit for you <laughs> all profit baby but even when you don't like unless you're going up against shadowfen right it's terrible into shadowfen because of rain and toad spam but it's really hard for anyone else to put less than five health into it at which point you're probably just going to uh throw an azure into it and call it a day again <laughs> exactly i don't know what do you think sabaiku we we all seem to think there's perhaps a niche for orgone here or there uh but faithless sees no play like i don't want to say no play but but such a small no amount. definitely not no play you know uh, i do see it in uh, a decent number of shadow pen shadow pen opponents i do think it's getting more and more um faithless is just hard to use <laughs> like orgone is relatively straightforward like play it last on your turn play it aggressively or clear something with it that that's relatively straightforward compared to faithless profits which does weird things uh especially with poison and you know i certainly do not normally recommend copper skin in your shadow fan decks but when you play faithless it can do some fun stuff that your opponent can't answer um yeah but it's not necessary you it's can, not you necessary can do no a no, lot no, of no. very yeah mm -hmm. but it makes it more interesting but it <laughs> makes it harder <laughs> and like knowing what faithless profits is going to do in any particular situation it, it is usually i'm like an 80 percent there and i'm never a hundred <laughs> all right that's fair um so overall then uh uh thomas you're you're all in on on leveling this up i hear uh no so no? the the reason i'm not going to right away is because i'm i'm still somewhat skeptical of it uh but then secondly we get so many resources from draft so i'm just gonna continue getting some uh some free cards from this out of draft mode and then finally right. when i've got it like level three or so then i'll finish it out so that's honestly the reason i'm not leveling it up uh if it wasn't 450 fusion stones to to get it all the way capped out, if it would have been like uh, a rare, I would have uh, for sure immediately capped it out because that's only around, I think, like 300 fusion stones. And mm, so I, I could have um, 
bit the bullet for that, but for 450, that's a tough pill to swallow when I'm on the fence. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, moving forward from there, uh, I just want to go out of line here a little bit. Um, and, uh, just kind of mention that, uh, martyr sponges, martyr spongers <laughs> are, uh, uh, coming up. Uh, do we have any, uh, do we want to make any predictions? There's not much to talk about yet with it, but do we want to make any predictions on, on whether or not it's going to see play? I've seen some theory crafting on the discord. I got to say it's, it feels a little clunkier, a little harder to use. Um, I hope somebody makes it work. It's a, it's a cute mechanic for sure. Um, but I'm not, a, I'm not all in on this one. Which one was Martyr? The, this is one? the, it's the, yeah, yeah, it's the six mana epic, t- uh, at, at level five, it's 12 zero, uh, before moving, uh, it deals, uh, either one or two, depending, depending on your level. So at level five, it'll deal two damage to three other friendly ancients. Uh, and then it drains or not drains. It just deals that amount of damage to your opponent's uh, face. That's right. Yep. Unfortunately, I don't have high hopes for this one um, because of the fact that it has to do the ability when it's moving. That's like, I, I've gone on a full thought process on the discord on this uh, already, but essentially the question that has to be asked is, would you play bucks of wasteland if its ability only triggered when it was moving forward, probably no, not. No, I would because not. it's way too delayed. You want to place it some in front of something large um, on your opponent, so that on your opponent's turn you get that immediate trade value, um, so that whatever you've got else on the board, it's going to for sure survive the next turn and most likely be able to forgotten sold into the opponent's base at the beginning of your next turn for the win. Right. But yeah, if Bucks had to await until it was moving at the start of your next turn, your opponent already had the ability to do too much destruction to your board or to Bucks itself on uh, their turn that um, that's going on with this card. And that's the reason why I think that this one will unfortunately not see any competitive level play. Yeah. Which, I mean... I'm okay with because the fact that Oregon uh, started out so strong, obviously we've seen so many times that they like to start cards out weak and then appropriately uh, power them up over the course of time. And I think they already perfectly nailed Oregon and they're not going to have to do any tweaking to it over the course of time with Martyr. They're, they're for sure going to have to uh, do something to help it see competitive play in the future. Hmm. All right. Um, moving on from there, uh, we are a little over a week into February. Uh, I'm going to use this as a shameless plug for our meta report. Um, hey, anyone out there want to use it? <laughs> please submit your games uh, if you uh, are, are feeling generous, because our data for this month is sparse. We would love to have more people contribute. Uh, we think it's a really good tool but it's only as useful as the amount of data that's in there. Uh, so with that being said, what are we seeing? Uh, I know, uh, Sebeko, you're in the Heroes League now. What are you seeing? I am seeing a lot of Winter, not necessarily Orgone Leecher's decks, um, still just good old-fashioned Siren and Tigor, uh, exactly 20 damage into the base decks, uh, a little bit more uh, aggressive decks with wolf cloaks, um, but man, it feels like half of my games are against Winter Pact right now, and most of the other half uh, up until today has really been against Swarm Bucks. You know, mid-range decks, uh, some with Zuri, some with Bucks, most of the time with both. 
those are definitely everywhere. Um, really not a lot of Shadowfen. Um, and just today I started to see a lot more ironclad, uh, you know, different hmm. variations of uh, mid-range decks, some that are a little more defensive focused with Windmakers and then try to chip you down with Boomers, uh, some a little more buff focused with upgrade point and constructs or uh, debug loggers um, but yeah really i gotta say it feels like probably about 80 percent of my games are winter or swarm opponents right now oof and thomas um i haven't or what i'm seeing uh, i'm seeing draft bound <laughs> <laughs> same I, i'm still in diamond four i played uh, a few games on the first month with the patch notes and that's been it um because yeah it's either been draft or um the brawl with the massive discount yeah i did exactly the same thing i played the warrior brawl uh to 125 crowns i've been jamming as much uh, draft bound as i can i think i just drafted my seventh deck uh I'm trying to find oregon leechers literally to test it out in draft mode i finally just got it uh right as we were waiting to to start this this uh, podcast so i'll let you know how that works out but i don't know much about uh ladder all right well with that in mind then why don't we move on to something we haven't done uh, in a little while and that is a deck detective um uh rodav's top 10 ironclad deck from uh, january this past month, which is very similar, actually, uh, to Stony Jay's uh, Heroes League winning deck from back in December. Uh, there's some slight variations. I think Rodav's uh, deck is using uh, Green Gale, and I think Stony's used Lost Psyches. Uh, but uh, let's take a look at the deck. Uh, Thomas, do you want to read through the deck list real quick? And then, Sabaiku, give me your take on what is the theme of this deck. Yeah, sure. So the curve of the deck is beautiful. Uh, this is what I like to see. So it starts out with uh, green prototypes into Destructo, Gifted Recruits, Sparkly Kitties, Unstable Build, Wild Saber Paws. So there we go. Our Half of our deck is two mana or less. Awesome. <laughs> and then uh, Green Gale, Linked Golems, Upgrade Point, Scrap Planners, Fluffy Bad Boxers, and to finish it out with Hearth Guards. All right. And Sabaki, what do you think this deck is uh, trying to achieve here? So I like this deck a lot, actually, um, because it presents itself in game as pretty much a standard ironclad rush deck. You know, you see that unstable come down near your baseline. You know, you got to worry about hearth guards and just lots of uh, relatively good units with a lot of, lot of lots of relatively strong units with movement like sparkly kitties like green gale and linked to really just establish the board presence and attack the base hard and fast uh what it does add that i really like is the upgrade point so this is a basically a fallback option if you get cleared early you just come back to your side of the board and you say okay destructobots green prototypes upgrade point I'm going to start building some chonkers, start establishing some value, work my way down the board again, but this time with bigger units and with a value engine along the way. Yeah, and it is construct heavy enough that A, that's going to work, right? Upgrade points are going to find targets. And B, it also means that Hunter's Vengeance is going to become uh, uh, less of a, of a counter. So it's a rush deck that's maybe a little bit less pervious, right? A little more impervious to Hunter's Vengeance, which is interesting. Um. We have a note here that I need to uh, pick at somebody. I don't know who wrote it, but um, 
we have this uh, uh, one slot that Stony J and Rodav seem to have uh, differences of opinion on, which is the linked, uh, pardon me, the Green Gale versus uh, Stony J's Lost Psyches. There's other options listed here, trekking uh, 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 as another option. Nobody mentioned Function Wilds, and I'm just confused why Function Wilds isn't being proposed <laughs> as a as a as a drop in uh, three mana card for for that slot. Uh, but no, in seriousness. Um, so chord cards to this deck, where are we with that? I mean, I think it has to be Green Gale scrapped, unstable hearth guards, right? Well, unstable hearth guards, definitely. Uh, I don't know necessarily if I would call Green Gale core, um, but I would say that the green prototypes Destructobots Link Golems is pretty core, right? You really you sure. need those to help your your um to help your board presence and help pressure the opponent and and fluffy is an interesting addition right just another big chonker on the board kind of unstable buildish uh i don't know that you're necessarily playing it defensively thomas but it's just something hard to hard to remove right yeah it's um a nice counter to those bragda decks i i think that's probably the reason for its inclusion take out the um rain of frogs before it starts to make a mess of things mm. Well, with that in mind, then, do you like the idea of maybe using Trekking instead of Green Gale? No, because you've already got Fluffy. There's no reason to, <laughs> to double up on that. So you need to keep the pressure up, and two movement is uh, two million times better than zero movement. Oh, for sure. Uh, in fact, I would actually argue that uh, Green Gale does a decent job into a Reign of Frogs on its own. Yeah, Trekking would be in there really for the Destructobots combo, right? Open with Trekking on three, and then Destructobots and gifted destructobots on sparkly on four and you're thrilled with the damage that you have done to your opponent's board and it makes it really hard for them to recover you know lost psyches instead of green gale is certainly a very good choice a little bit of a bigger body sacrifice the movement for it mm -hmm. uh trekking i think is a perfectly fine choice uh it just leans into the slower part of the deck and really puts a little more pressure on you as the player to find that upgrade point and get some value out of it. Well, it's interesting you say that because your proposal of trekking into Destructo is really only going to be viable the first time. So it's it's kind of all in on your first cycle through your cards. The second time, your, your opponent's either going to have too big of a board for the five distributed damage to matter and and even more to the point, you're going to have stuff on the board, which means your destructo is not a guaranteed ping to the trekking, right? So, That's true. so, so if you wanted to go that route, it really is to try to gain an immediate dominant position and and, and just win on the first cycle through your deck. And so let's um, just win more because I promise this is the deck, the kind of deck that you are already going to have that um, upper hand at the beginning of the game. This thing does a great job of being super explosive and uh, making it very threatening for your opponent right away. Yeah, these are the kinds of decks that really bum me out when like I open with a two drop and uh, uh, green protos and my opponent does something like throws a saber to the side of it and then unstable builds in front of the green uh, in front of the green protos and you're just like oh man like how do i oh already a 10 health in the middle of the board like it's just it's craziness what do we think about its viability is this a deck that is um, super skilled to play at a high level or do we think that this deck is super powerful and can help elevate someone of less than superior skill 
Well, let's be honest. Um, every deck requires a lot of skill to be um, extremely good and get into top 10 with. So um, yeah, anybody could sleeve this up and do pretty good with, but um, being completely honest, you, you have to get to know this deck very intimately if, if you want to see yourself top, in top 10 with it. And mm. it's, it's It's a relatively straightforward deck i think um the curve lends itself to just kind of filling itself out and it doesn't have the upgrade point is there as a backup option to me it feels like rather than as a primary strategy so you don't need to worry about this energy you don't need to worry about your cycling you just fill out your curve with the strongest cards you got and then you jam the hard cards as soon as you have an opportunity uh i think it's relatively straightforward but to thomas's point it, that doesn't make it easy you know these these things are are never never uh, uh something you can autopilot I, i've actually found uh when when i've played ironclad rush decks that this that the cycling and trying to pair together uh uh linked golems with something so that you're getting value out of it every time it comes around is not as straightforward as it seems because a lot of times you end up to your point like well I'm just going to throw away the upgrade point because I don't want to play the upgrade point. Uh, but the only cards I have in my hand that that synergize are actually upgrade point and linked golems. <laughs> so if I'm throwing one away. What am I keeping the other one for? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there, there can be some awkward things. You really want to get that unstable with hearth cards. Although, you know what? Upgrade point only costs one more mana. So maybe it's not the worst thing in the world if the two are off cycle. Yeah, you got a backup option for the hearth card, which helps a lot. And you have... Uh, an extra construct with the scrapped to help with the linked golems, yeah, which fair. also isn't terrible. Uh, you know, the nice thing about scrapped plus linked is if you are worried about your opponent's fluffy, you can, you know, just scrapped in front of it and then linked off to the side. Now scrapped eats the whole fluffy. It works out just fine. Um, you, you could definitely slot windmakers into that scrapped spot, but then, like you said, it puts a little more, uh, a little more pressure on finding the construct synergy. Right. I could see using that to try to like make way for a runner, but you don't have a lot of cheap runners, right? We've got saber paws and green gale doesn't do enough. Well, sometimes that extra three is real helpful. Yeah. I'm just trying to imagine like a situation, you know, cause you, you do see them where, where you end up playing like a you'll you'll see somebody like play windmakers to to make space into a uh like a uh saber pause first mutineer kind of finish well yeah the nice thing about windmakers is that it makes it a little bit easier for you to throw in say hearth guards when you have an opportunity even if it isn't lethal because you know the windmakers are going to let you come right back down the board yeah that's fair too right especially if you have like windmakers into or saber paws into windmakers so that you can clear a bunch of stuff off the board too while you're doing it hmm. all right overall either of you guys thinking of trying this deck out this month i might as well it's right in front of me <laughs> <laughs> all right sounds like it's a challenge now you're right, be yeah. better than number one with it I doubt that. <laughs> well, if nothing else, how about tell us how quickly you can get from Diamond 4 to Heroes League with it so that there we have go. some idea. I can do that. Yeah, well, okay. I've got another deck that I've been uh, tweaking around with, and I wanted to try that one. But So maybe next month for this one. <laughs> does that one have Orgone? It does not. It's oh, man. Uh, got my new card that I'm really high on. Function Art. Wilds. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's not new. Dang it. 
right. Well, you'll have to tell us about it after you're ready to do the big reveal. So that's going to end the main portion of this episode, which means it's time for me to remind you to contact us, preferably in our channel on the Stormbound Discord server. You can always do it on Twitter at BroodSages, and you can email us at thebroodsages at gmail.com. This week, we have heard from the inventor of the moon. By the way, still love your work. I'm sorry I missed this. Congrats on the achievement, guys. Love the final audio at the end. You really are the most precious jewel of the community. I don't know about that, but thank you. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode. For Subaiku and Thomas, I am Freeloader. We are the Brood Sages reminding you to stay hydrated. <laughs>